0: Movie ranking, 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 blah blah blah. Hello and welcome to the Movie Ranking, I'm your host Skadoosh, I'm joined today by my close friend and favourite serial killer of all time, Mr Kyle Arking. Hello Kyle. Bonjour.
1: Well, I, I mean, with that introduction, I shouldn't even be showing my face. But yes, yes, um, yes, I'm not, I don't I don't I don't I don't admit to any of these crimes <laughs> that, that Skadoosh loves to imply. But yes, for yes anyone watching
0: for, for anyone watching for the first time, Carl and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, we do the movie ranking spaces and Carl often comes in. Um, he is a wonderful uh, cherubic, uh, beatific, just gorgeous, cute, harmless, charming young man, mm-hmm. which is why, obviously, we we make the obvious joke, which is that he clearly is a serial killer. Uh, no one can be this perfect, but yes, obviously, Kyle does not kill people. Just checking. Just checking. <laughs> Evil face, you can't get rid of the evil glint in your eye. Anyway, today, uh, we are talking about Shogun. Uh, the first two episodes dropped this week. Um, there was quite a lot of build up to this. I know that FX have been uh, in production for a long time, uh, a lot of money behind it, a few different rewrites as it's gone along. But, um, I think when, uh, well, let me ask you, Carl, what did you know about Shogun before? Before it landed and kind of in the build-up to it.
1: I um, actually... I I knew very little because I really didn't have any, you know, inclination to read the book or watch the miniseries, given that it really was before my time. And I really only watched or read stuff that are becoming movies or TV shows. And it was funny because one of the YouTubers I listened to, John Campia, he loved Shogun. He would talk mm-hmm. about Shogun all the time and mm-hmm. say how, like, it was the one could be or movie that could be made today based off of the book. And, like, the miniseries was great in its time, but now it was time for an update. And I was so funny because the day that this show was announced, I was actually watching John's live stream of the Disney plus or Disney investors day where they actually revealed that this show was in the works and just seeing his reaction was like gold because (laughs) like that was the only connection I had to Shogun. My dad actually has the VHS collector's edition. It's this giant box set with like, uh, I believe it has like a giant book in it, but my dad says he lost it. But yeah, like I, I really knew very little of this property, this sh- this book, even the miniseries. Mm-hmm. So I went in there with a lot of, you know, open mind and, uh, yeah, like it. That is pretty much my history with Shogun. I don't know about so, you.
0: So nothing. I didn't. I wasn't aware of the miniseries. I wasn't aware of the original content. Um, I have a more, a bit more of a cerebral connection to it though um uh when i was five uh my mum and dad were trying to get me into all sorts of uh out of school activities sports and things and it was a judo club that, that opened up at the bottom of our road in the community center called zen judo uh and the, the sensei was a man in his mid-70s uh who would walk around eating an orange uh but he did all of our classes in in Japanese, in the original Japanese. Um, And all the ceremony was taken from a a Japanese uh, division of of judo. Anyway, I did judo for years and years. I I got my black belt and um, at a quite a young age. And it wasn't until literally this came up that Shogun came up that I started thinking back to those days and I, I thought, hang on a minute, I knew every throw, every counter, every ground hold, every move in judo I learned in Japanese. We just knew the Japanese name for it. Um, and therefore, kind of, that got me massively obsessed with everything Japanese Was when I was about 10 years old. So I went to the library and I read every book which had, well, let's be honest, nin- something with ninjas <laughs> in the title. Um, uh, but yeah, I've always been, I've been massively obsessed with Japanese culture for a long, long time, which is why when this came out, and I saw the I saw the trailer for it, and I saw some of the artwork. I thought it looks beautiful. However, I got to admit I went in quite skeptical um, because I knew that this was going to be from this pretty much the same production team that made Game of Thrones. Um, so there's there's pedigree there, but I just went into it thinking, oh, are you just going to do Game of Thrones but in Japan in the in the then finding out that obviously there's a the historical element to it um well let's just let's kick off in terms of how it starts uh i didn't know the story i didn't know where it was going but one thing i will say about the first episode is it does a masterful job of placing you placing you right there in this world and building it out around you from multiple perspectives because we we start with cosmo jarvis's character but then we go into the japanese into the different tribes and into the different relationships and things i just thought right off the bat sometimes you just know in your gut yeah this is me this is me they are nailing this already um cosmo jarvis uh had you come across cosmo before I
1: I don't know who you're talking about because I th- I think you mean Tom Hardy, right? No. <laughs> well, it's
0: he is clearly one half of. <laughs> if you add, if you take Tom Hardy and add, I was thinking Jamie Dornan. I mm. that was the, my first thought. You smash together Tom Hardy and and Jamie Dornan, but yeah, I think yeah. you could. Mixing with anyone else, that that, that voice is something else. On it? a
1: serious, on a serious note, no, I have not heard. I actually, I never heard of him before. I assume he's fairly new to this because
0: <laughs> he's been in. So he he led alongside uh, Florence Pugh in Lady Macbeth, which okay, is okay.
1: Now, now I have to see this movie now. Okay, it,
0: that it's fun. It's a fantastic movie. Uh, kind of a bit of an indie, bit of an Whoa. art house. Um, it, it's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. I've only ever seen it once. It's one of those that you you think is amazing. But I'm not going to watch that again. He's fabulous in that. He starred alongside Barry Keoghan in um, Calm with Horses, uh, mm. which is an Irish gangster drama, which is again, he's fabulous in that. Um, he does have a very his natural speaking voice. Doesn't sound like that. It is gravelly, but I think as soon as he started speaking, I went, whoa. whoa, whoa. That's Tom Hardy. <laughs> is he do you think yeah. he's he's put I, I guess he's doing he's doing this voice just to show that he's English. This is the English voice.
1: <laughs> I mean, you actually are more familiar with him, I guess. So I, I don't know, does he do that voice in Lady Macbeth
0: or and it's no it well his accent in in uh, calm with horses is is wonderfully accurate, kind of authentic Irish accent. Um, okay. And I believe he's got a northern accent in um, in Lady Macbeth. So okay. this is the first time I've heard this voice wow. coming out. Wow, okay.
1: Him. Yeah.
0: Um, and like you said, it it does sound like it, it should be coming out of Tom Hardy.
1: It's, I mean, it's a great voice. Like, I, yeah. I love the way it sounds. And he, it's funny, though, because from what I've heard, the miniseries and I believe the book is more based around... Blackthorn's perspective Mm -hmm. and here in the show we're kind of having a proper balance of both the English perspective and the Japanese perspective and even Haruki Sonata said that he wanted to make sure that that was essential that his culture was represented and it's very evident it is because Mm -hmm. all of these scenes feel so well written and so well articulated to the point where
0: and in in the original in Japanese as well which is a you would think of maybe a bit of a production there may have been a note do we really want to do all of this and I I love that they committed and well and just said no we're Mm -hmm. doing we're doing half of this show in in Japanese and the audience will come with us or they won't
1: yeah I love that because like I've had issues lately with at least the blockbuster Japanese films they make, like Mulan, the Disney live-action Mulan, and even like 47 Ronin, which came out where they didn't use subtitles. Like, it was very much, you know, these American accents, and it doesn't gel well when you're trying to... I mean, I can understand. I remember when they did Chernobyl... Craig Mm -hmm. Mazin and the showrunner was really talking about how, you know, the way they did it—they didn't want these actors to a have subtitles, b speak in Russian accents, because that would take away from the drama. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I get why they do that with some movies, but for here, I think it was necessary for them to have it feel as authentic as possible. And yeah, I was, I was really taken aback at how much was, Mm -hmm. you know, in Japanese because it, I mean, I want to say that for the first episode, it's almost, you know, you know, subtitles. It's pretty, pretty pretty crazy. And it's amazing too. Uh, i love it
0: i love that one of the things about that and it, a, it was a beauty i believe it's the first episode and we'll, we'll uh, i don't think we have time really to go through it in a linear fashion i think maybe best, best is, is to take the parts from the first two episodes that really spoke to us and one of those just in line with what you were saying about having it the, the keeping it in japanese i guess the fear the baseline fear is that Something gets lost when a Western audience is having to read the subtitles, which you and I both mm-hmm. know is nonsense. It's it's as director Bong said at, uh, at the Oscars a couple of years ago about if you can just get over that one centimeter higher high barrier, the whole world opens up. There is a scene when um, uh, Sonada's uh, the main the Shogun character. Obviously, not a shogun yet, but his second in command is sent to uh, the bay where the ship, where Cosmo Jarvis's ship has has run aground, and obviously we know from the stories thus far that uh, one of my favourite characters, which we'll come on to, uh, I think it's he's called Kashigi. He's the guy who who enjoy has his special way of um, killing killing people. Um, oh yeah. Um... That that yep. char- that yep. character is on the beach, and we know that he's he's basically said uh, to his subordinate that uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll try and hold on to the cannon and we'll hold on to the gold and things, and then um, uh, Sinada's second in command arrives, and the, the tone is very different. All of a sudden, uh, the character is saying, "We will be taking her- we will be taking the cannon, we will be taking the gold, and." The response is, uh, the response is, but this is my fiefdom, Lord. And it's just a question, it's not saying, No, I won't give it to you, it's just a question. And then in the original Japanese, I I just loved it the way he delivers this line, which is, I would have thought you would have wanted to impress your loyalty upon our Lord, but the way it's said in the original Japanese is so brilliant because you can hear the oh. The, the 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 cadence with which it is spoken, you get everything from it. Like so, uh, just in terms of, I don't think anything gets lost in terms of the performances just because it's, yeah, in that original Japanese. Yeah.
1: yeah, I agree, and that scene is so great. I love how you see the different. Relationships and interactions in the show between all of the different lords, all the different characters, because it very much like Game of Thrones. They're introducing this world to you, and by introducing the world, they need to introduce you to the characters first. And that is really what this show is about. Like just the beginning of the show, with
0: the um, setup is the setup is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, the, the Lord, the the king has died. And now there are five, five people that have to sort <laughs> mm-hmm. it out amongst them, and they've all picked on they the one four have basically decided to gang up on, on uh, on Sonada's character.
1: Toranaga, and when Toranaga just meets these lords, it's it it's so like, it, What I love about it is you're seeing this almost not mythology but this lore in this show that the, the
0: the formality all of the culture all of the customs all of the the, the way that japanese people interact mm-hmm. is very different to, to western culture and, and I, you, you see that yeah
1: I don't mm-hmm. know because I believe this is a limited series it's only the one season 10 episodes telling the story from the book Uh But, oh, my God, (laughs) I wish that this was, you know, Game of Thrones uh, multiple season series because how much lore is just built into this one or two episodes? It's like, oh, I want to know more about these lords. I want prequels. I want, Uh you know, background stories. I want animated content like I'm. I feel like that shouldn't be the thing we want. We just want a great story. But at the same time, I'm like, this is so fascinating. And it's really great because I think all of these lords, like there's that one lord with leprosy that is like, oh, my God. Like, I didn't know what that was at first when I saw him like behind a curtain. It was so mysterious. And then you realize what it is. And it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. my goodness, what is going on here?
0: it's a beautiful touch and i think there's lots of that throughout the first two episodes and i think specifically the second as well i found i found myself watching what what clearly is prestige tv this mm-hmm. is as good as it gets all the money is up there on the screen yes the performances are singing uh the way I, the way that it is it, there's a deftness of touch in terms yeah. of the direction because one thing about this is, is that it could very easily, and before we came on there, we were talking about Dune and Dune part two. And you think about all the law and mythology behind that and how seriously uh not just the fans take it, but how seriously Denny Villeneuve has has taken yeah. it. Like the films take themselves seriously. Yeah. There's <laughs> no there's none none of I think what we've gotten used to in the last few years or or decade maybe of this kind of glib touch like i don't want to necessarily assign it just to the mcu but you know what i mean like everything has to be kind of quippy and quirky and can't take itself too seriously there's none of that in this this commits commits fully to the seriousness but it doesn't mean that it's boring and it doesn't mean that it's heavy the the deafness of touch i found with uh, introducing um, John Blackthorne to the Spanish character, ne- uh, Nesta Carbonell, Rodriguez. Yeah, Rodriguez. Wonderful, because you've you've had quite a lot of heaviness up, up until that point, and then all of a sudden, bang, the story takes you off in a different direction, and it's funny, and it's lighthearted, and then it's serious, and then it's action, and I think What's juggling so- all those things. What's so funny is
1: I love, I love Nestor Carbonell. He's one of my favorite actors in um, Bates Motel. Mm. And I mean, I loved him in the Dark Knight trilogy, but I can't even recognize him. No, me neither.
0: Well, it's one of those uncanny things. Who who is that? I know. Who are you? Quick Google fucking way
1: (laughs) yeah because he had you know the gray hair with the beard and i was like oh my goodness what a great you know transition to play this role where he really i mean what a role like that is a really meaty role and especially
0: like when he pulls the gun on blackthorn and you're like oh boy oh boy i love the every character i think the interesting thing is in terms of what you would predict from this? I think the most obvious character, the character which doesn't hasn't really brought any surprises, and I don't mean that as a criticism, um, uh, is the main character. How do you pronounce the um, Sonada's character's name? Toranaga. Toronaga. Toranaga is is what I expected. However, all of these fringe characters along the way have all got these sharp edges to them already within yeah. two episodes. Uh, you have, as we said, um, Kashigi, who likes to uh, uh, just that. He's he's a bit of a freak. He's a bit of a freak, uh, but he also <laughs> is courageous. He's a he's not he's not a black or white character. And I think that applies to pretty much all of these, all of this, this gallery that we have so far with Nesta Carbonell. Um, you I, Clearly, John Blackthorne. We don't trust him either like this is not the good guy we're following this is a guy who has his own machinations that I'm sure we have we haven't come across yet I think he's the having that kind of unreliable pov through him is is really interesting but it's hard to pull off and I think the performances are are what what are making it at the moment
1: I mean speaking of Kashigi's methods oh my goodness that is one of that has to be that has to be in the top three worst torture scenes i've ever seen in my life
0: absolutely gruesome oh my god what what when when you think when you think as well because there's a the the way that they do it is very clever they clearly they put him in and we know we're in no doubt very quickly what's going to happen. But the way that they do it is they cut away and then they show very quickly passages of time and the screaming is just continuing oh. and continuing and continuing. And now it's gotten dark and we know he's been in there for hours and the stream. And then I don't know if you had this thought. I think most people had this thought watching it, which is if that was me, what would I do? And then just as that thought clicked into my head, as, as you think it can't get any more uncomfortable, they just go straight in with the shot in the cauldron and he's you see this the, I mean the prosthetics are incredible but I think emotionally I was already I was already ready already unready for seeing it like the gray yeah. the gray sagging skin coming off of him yeah. and you just like, I can't take anymore I can't take you and just as you feel that slamming his head on the on the corner of the pot because that's the thought that jumped into my head was that that's how how I would end it. Oh, and, <laughs> uh,
1: and how about like when you hear those screams? It just, it, I mean, it's telling you a thousand words without showing. I mean, you don't need yeah. to see it. It's it's just you're hearing what the pain he's going through, and you can just imagine it there. Mm-hmm. And it's even worse that way because you never can almost, you know, you just keep hearing it. And then they had that part, I mean, afterwards where the, what was it Cortesian, you know, she comes in and she's just, now oh, what, You, I apparently, because I watched it on a network broadcast on FX. Oh, okay. Did they... they They censored that scene, and I didn't know that. I don't know how they did it, but then I heard, no, no, you saw it. It was um, (laughs) full nudity, and I was like, wait. I can't believe
0: they did. So it is the cost
1: of not having Hulu, but.
0: Have you seen it since? Because essentially and i I'm, I'm not going to i'm not going to steal his joke this is andy andy greenwald on um the ringer the watch podcast this is his joke but i loved it. he said <laughs> how nice that, that after his after his uh special death um the character then invented cucking effectively <laughs> in the 1600s 16th century asian cucking uh <laughs> right there on screen um Listen, let's talk about it because Ian McShane and we've mentioned Game of Thrones. um, And if the production, if you look at the production credits afterwards, it is entirely made up of the, the same crew that made Game of Thrones. So you're getting this this prestige TV. Now, Ian McShane, who I loved in his cameo when he was in Game of Thrones, he described it as tits and dragons basically that's what games and game of thrones is now the sexual the the sexual nature the sexual element to the show i get there's been this conversation quite a lot recently about whether or not sex scenes are just purely gratuitous whether they're needed whether they drive the story whether they're whether they're good or bad what was your take um or what is your take roughly i mean it, where where do you sit? I was about to say where do you sit on nudity, but, um, well you off. see,
1: like, I I hate nudity, skadoosh! Like it's just the uh-huh. worst thing in the world. I, I mean, I I don't want to see any of it. I don't want to mm. see anything. No, I'm kidding. Um kidding. So the thing, <laughs>
0: the I never the believe. Thing
1: you. is, uh, I I say just. I say just go for it because this is a medium where you can literally do whatever you want, you know, Mm -hmm. like this isn't something where we're trying to cater to children people that have certain views. This is on FX, it's on Hulu, it's on Uh you know a, a late later time, and it's supposed to be mature and People have sex, you know. Yeah, like it's a thing of life,
0: and it's especially how it perhaps maybe di- not differs, but I think people have noted in the the Japanese and have a, a different relationship to sex than than we do in in the West. And in mm. terms of what they deem to be appropriate for younger viewing, I was shocked, and I I don't know if this has changed, but I remember someone telling me when I was a teenager, you know, that they don't have there's there's no um what we used to call in the uk like a watershed moment which is Mm -hmm. you can't show swearing or sex or violence after night before nine o'clock yeah Uh, no such thing apparently in japan they have a much more open kind of i guess view on it or perspective or, or that's just how things have transpired but in terms of going back to game of thrones what worked there and what works with this perfectly is that that court intrigue that central plot device of this is a this is a cat fight effectively for 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 power and control um and sex is definitely plays a part in terms of how courts work and how and how pop and how people are manipulated how alliances are, are drawn sex is a part of that and in, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of i mean the scenes that we've seen so far, I think that there's not, I, I haven't been shocked or anything like that. I've thought that they play, they perfectly play a part that they need to in terms of, and again, we talked about the sex scene, the first one, I guess, is that part of essentially showing us a very different part of um, one of the characters' personality. We see that yeah. first, we're kind of introduced, he's just boiled someone alive so our first view is probably accurately this guy's a psychopath yeah and that interaction almost immediately after is very interesting and it gives him another edge it gives him another so that I think what it comes down to and we'll get on to the end part of of how how we've left episode two but by the time we we're getting towards the end of that second episode I think we're already starting to see where the story is going. You're starting to see the paths ahead. And I love that, (laughs) that thing of throwing together a character who doesn't speak the language, comes from a whole new world and throwing him together with this Kashigi character. I I can't wait to see what happens, episodes three. I gotta say,
1: do you, so the title of episode one it's called it's called engine 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 yeah do you know what that stands for what that means no it means pilot
0: there we are now and as well uh can i can we i know we jumped around a lot um the scenes at sea is that the second episode or the first you know where they're transporting (laughs) him to uh is it Os- it's um, it's the
1: first it's the first cuz the first ends wait when he gets there so it's the first to,
0: one is it osaka that he gets to yeah he uh, gets to osaka that's it and again talk about the money on screen like Ooh. the way the the way I mean, the he goes
1: under to the next deck like you're not mm-hmm. just like i thought it was just a regular set i thought it was just you know he's on the top of the mm-hmm. ship but no he's actually he can go under it it's like under. okay this is this is a real production, you know, like this isn't, you know, this isn't Crazy. on the volume, but maybe no, it was it's, on the volume. It's, but it's, yeah. Well,
0: this is the thing is that when you're seeing some of the recent MCU output in terms of visual effects, let's just be honest, call it, it's, it's, it's been a shit show, uh, for quite some time now. And it's not even the case of-
1: is trashing on the MCU. In this. I,
0: I have to say what I see, like uh, I I didn't think the Marvels was that bad or as bad as everyone thought it was. But one thing was in terms of being able to see the seams, do you know what I mean? In terms of the visual effects, like when you can clearly see, okay, you're in front of a green screen and the action is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I thought the boat sequence was, insane absolutely insane because i was looking i started looking for the for the joins and i could only Mm -hmm. just about see them in terms of where they've got the sea moving in the background and things but it's the way that the the images and sounds are cut together and they do a good shaky cam when it goes down underneath and you have the water coming in it was pretty much flawless absolutely flawless i don't know how much How much it took to create that in terms of money but i think a lot of that was just it was well planned out and they knew shot to shot to shot the audience is going to really feel like they're being bounced around this ship and it, it works
1: it brings you back to the days of game of thrones when they used to shoot those episodes because like i feel like ever since game of thrones ended television itself has kind of had a tough time trying to figure itself out in this new world of, you know, streaming and uh, like they even have like now at Disney plus a lot of the Disney plus output is not, they're not television shows in my opinion. They are movies that are Mm. cut into television shows. And at first that was like a deal. Like when, when they made Falcon and the winter soldier, they were like, okay, this is a, Really cool idea. This is, you know, we're going to take a Marvel movie and we're going to make it into a TV series. The problem was that they kept on doing this. They didn't, they they, finally, it looks like with like Daredevil Born Again, finally, it looks like they're going to get back into making television Mm -hmm. and not a movie cut down and really long, exactly. And that's what I love about Shogun right now, what we're watching. Is a ten-episode series with episodes that are like an hour and ten hour minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. like yeah. that is that is a wonderful runtime for a show like this that is trying to do so much in a very limited amount of time. Given that it's still ten episodes, it's not like your traditional twenty-episode
0: series. So I can I, can I, I ask you in terms of that runtime. When it, when it first came up, now I, I knew by the time I pushed play on the first episode, I knew the reviews were, were very, very good. So yes, I, I had same. a lightness of heart. And therefore, when I clicked play and it said one minute, uh, one hour 10 for the first episode, my gut reaction was yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Same. That's same. the
0: right length for this. That feels the right I'm so, length. For
1: I'm so tired, Skidoosh, of these shows that it's like, 35 minutes. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Yeah. It's not 35 minutes because there's credits, there's mm-hmm. an intro, there's a recap. You're telling mm-hmm. me that a show that should be an hour long is now honestly around the same length as a a sitcom? Mm-hmm. Get out of here. And that is, you know, I, I share your sentiment because mm. when they you know, revealed these episodes. I've had the same thing with a number of other shows lately I've been watching because we have a lot of good TV out right now. Yeah. I adore uh right now I'm really loving Halo the series uh-huh. and Avatar the Last Airbender on Netflix I enjoyed. I hate the like movies. these are shows that are you know an hour, you know, 49 minutes long. Like the actual like regular TV runtimes and it just Feels so good to watch it, mm. and I mean that was—I don't know about you—you you said you watched it what about two in the morning? Yeah, um, or you watched it till two in the morning.
0: Uh, it, no, I would have watched it at two in the morning. It would have been gone. Oh morning. my goodness! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Stephanie
1: really kept you up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, actually, I mean, if it wasn't for her, I'd have been. I'd, yeah, it would have been a lot. It'd been a lot worse. I want to talk. What you said there about the run times it completely makes sense in terms of I was talking the other day to someone about, about true detective, um, the, the latest series of true detective Yeah. And how, how, when, by the time I got to the end and I think uh, this is a great example. I think there is a, a purity behind a, a, our own gut reaction to a show. And I think with prestige television like this, where, and especially if you've watched, if you've committed, to six seven eight hours worth of television and storytelling you've committed that time you've committed and and that's how you know at the end you you know whether or not by the time you've reached the destination if the journey has been worth it yeah because you know if it hasn't (laughs) and unfortunately i found in the case of true detective that i just knew at the end by the time we got there i was like okay we got there but yeah it's another t- the thing with the runtimes I think that's important because when you're doing 30 35 minute episodes it perhaps doesn't give the audience enough time to really absorb it's also, that, that that heft that it's also need. not
1: just the runtime but the episode mm-hmm. count because yes. wasn't true detective six episodes
0: six mm. so like
1: you're talking about a show I mean it was traditional runtime like 50 minutes long but yeah. it's still. Six episodes, where you need I think more for some of these other shows, and, and that was also another one I really enjoyed, True Detective, Night Country. But um, mm-hmm. like yeah, it's something else that I feel we are hopefully getting back to, mm-hmm. and like I personally I watched this on FX. This was the first time I watched a show on FX since Legion ended, and that was in oh, about, wow. I think twenty nineteen. I want to say. It was a long time ago.
0: Rest in peace, Dan Stevens's uh, Legion.
1: Yeah, I love that show. And I remember Taboo was one of the last ones, too, that was on there.
0: Now, speaking Mm -hmm. of Tom Hardy, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a different voice, but I mean, that was my first thought was that I may maybe he is it maybe he is channeling tom hardy tom hardy's voice in taboo yeah I, I, I don't think i don't think even tom hardy really knows what his own accent is though <laughs> Go, going back to what you were saying about again those run times 30 minutes not being enough really to to latch onto it especially with true detective i felt that yeah six episodes wasn't enough uh, it kind of i felt almost speaking of game of thrones i think the argument about the ending of game of thrones was they felt that they rushed it in those last three last couple of episodes and it felt that way with true detective the thing that let let i felt most let down about about true detective was that i thought there'd been so much good work going up to i loved episode four absolutely loved episode four and I was really starting to see the shape of the characters and the relationship between them, mm-hmm. between um, um, uh, Callie Reese and um, um, Jodie Foster's character, the, the the father-son relationship. I was starting to see the, the bones of something really great. And then they never really gave me any more after that. And what there is in abundance in Shogun is characters... Interesting characters, interesting dynamics. Yes, and it's all the plot is going to play out. that I can I can see it kind of as a spider's web as it goes before me. But the thing is, is that I I I know that when it goes from one plot line to another, I'm going to be just as interested in the one it goes to as the one that it's come from. Yeah, which is a hard thing to do. Very hard.
1: Yeah. Uh... I think, though, what we should talk about, because we haven't talked about her yet, I want to talk about Mariko, because mm-hmm. I think that she is a really intriguing character to start, you know, getting us into this series. She's played by this actress that I've kind of noticed she's started to pop up in a number of things. Her name is, I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but it's Anna Sawai. Anna, Anna Sawai. <laughs>
0: I think so yeah Anna why uh oh Giri Hanchi. She's, oh that's where I know her from uh yeah that was a television series kind of a, a HBO BBC kind of uh cross collaboration project um again very simple, half Japanese half the story in Japan half the story in in the UK um so
1: so she was actually in Monarch Legacy of Monsters. the oh, yes. Godzilla series. I still need to watch, and that was like I think she's like the lead of that show, and uh, she was also in Fast and Furious Nine as Hans' adopted our daughter. Character. talking to
0: the wrong guy, brother.
1: Yeah,
0: with Marley uh, about all that stuff. I, uh, I it's it, it was a it was weird
1: subplot. <laughs> she was she was good in it, I guess, but like it was she's getting into I think the really um well at least the television medium but she's getting really known and here this is I would say that right now this show has three leads. It has mm. Haruki Sonada as Tornaga, it has Cosmo Jarvis as Blackthorn, and it has Anna as Mariko and mm. I think she's she's a very like regal presence. She really I think kind of captures the scene when she walks into the room. I love the idea that I don't know the name of the other character but like there's like the priest that yep. has this like who relationship her, with her.
0: Yeah, who taught her English and Portuguese. And, you know, I
1: loved all. I loved the scene between her What happened was he was the translator, and mm-hmm. how they translated it, it was like, you know, he's Great. talking to Toranaga, but the translator kind of, you don't hear the translator can we can,
0: i'm so glad really? you brought that up because there's two scenes of that the first scene is i think is the translator proving that he's capable of being unbiased and is accurately translating between
1: great song. One,
0: uh, and, and, and wonderful scene and oh. then it gets better i swear to god that scene where he draws the map where he's yeah. asked he's asked by Toronaga and the translations yeah. that are done you see how she just subtly shifts the language sometimes yeah. like the the point in which where he was saying um he, uh my queen wants to want um, my queen wants to uh my queen wants to join forces with you to vanquish our enemies and the way he yeah. says it is british it's kind of it's a bit dr- melodramatic it's and the way she translates it as he wishes to enlist your support like just so clever so clever tells us so much about her and where her loyalties are and the way that she i think her capabilities as a uh, as a player really in this in this whole court, yeah. court thing, i thought yeah that scene in particular Wait, so it is
1: it is the second scene where you don't see you don't see her, you don't hear her translating, you just see the two of them talking back to back.
0: It eventually, yeah, it okay, kind yeah. of they do something clever there, they kind of morph and then morph back again it's into a so, I've
1: and never seen cool. that done before. It was very such a clever, unique, very simple, yeah, yeah. Very, I, I very think, simple. I mean, just that alone shows you the care and the real expert. Mm. I mean, the, the writing of the show, the production, and we were talking about the production in terms of how everything looks so good. It it also, I also love the idea that, you know, this is in this time period, like 1600 Japan. And, I mean, you feel like you're there. You feel like this is like, especially like when, you know, in the first episode, Blackthorn sees, oh, wait we've never you I'm like the first Englishman to come Mm -hmm. here and this is how they like, they translate him through a Portuguese, you know, Mm -hmm. um, guy that they think that they're the same. And Mm. it's, and I saw someone mention how it's kind of like a reverse thing where usually you see, um, you know, like say like an alien movie, right? Where the aliens come to earth and the humans discover the aliens Well here this is when the first episode begins, you see the Japanese soldiers enter the boat, and they're the ones that are seeing through this perspective instead of it being an Englishman seeing through the perspective of the other, you know, the the one that isn't them. It's that the one that is
0: on the outskirts. It 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 provides it provides two things at the same time because yes, this is a Western show produced. I I don't know if it's fair to say it is produced for a Western audience because I I think there's, I think Japanese audiences and Asian audiences will come to this. I hope they come to this, but as you said, from our Western perspective, it's a, it's clever and new and interesting because it's inverted. As you say, yeah. we're seeing the Japanese Seeing what we're used to seeing. Whereas a Japanese audience, to them, it will be inverted, reversed. It's all the tying in knots. Mm. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about, just going back to the, the notion about how seriously it takes itself, the things that, that there are only a few things that most people know about Japan uh, they know about sushi, they know about electronics, uh, and they know about uh, Harry, is it called? Harikiri, or seppuku, I, I believe is the other, which is seppuku, essentially, yeah. which is essentially um, suicide, uh, honour-based suicide. If you feel that in terms of the culture and, and values and etiquette, if you have seemed to have disgraced yourself, it is more honourable to take your own life than in anything else, which is, I mean, completely on its head com- compared to, I guess... <laughs> Some oh, christian uh, how doctrine about- and, and, and what we've grown up? In the,
1: the man that kind of disgraces his own family by standing up for Tornaga and then he has you to sacrifice his own son. I can't.
0: I. I couldn't. I mean, I'm glad they cut away from that. Um, in t- that's exactly what I wanted to say about is the stakes in this show are genuine yeah. and they are high they are yeah. high they they would have been high anyway but there is something about again the period of time and the the, the japanese culture where stakes are already high anyway compared to what we are used to we're not used yeah. to seeing characters who perhaps fail then instantly prepare themselves to to yeah. slice their stomachs open i think Again, it it could. There are so many places along this story so far where that it could have gone wrong, and I think the thing main takeaway I've taken from from just those first two episodes are it's they've executed it perfectly, near perfectly so far. I just hope I, that continues.
1: I think as we see with the future episodes, it looks like Mariko will develop this relationship with Blackthorn. Which I'm very curious about seeing because what's also what's also cool right now is we're seeing different storylines, like the whole idea of a white savior storyline that we're seeing, Doom Part Two is subverting that story. Absolutely. And I'm very curious to see how they do that in Shogun. Because right now what we're seeing is we're seeing a white savior like story, but it is through the perspective of Japanese characters so it I think is a new way to tell that and I think it's really respectful to the culture it's really respectful to the viewers and I think that's going to be you know something we'll see later on in this season but I'm also excited because I saw some reviews where it was like this show is really great at just the dialogue the conversations more than it you know don't go into the show expecting samurai battles and you mm-hmm. know your fair share of stuff yeah. but i saw the trailers for like the next number of episodes It got some action I, I don't know man but like they have some epic looking shots and I, I, i'm so I, glad I, you
0: said that i'm so glad you said i that. have
1: to i'm have to reserve my expectations like i cannot Mm. expect to see a gigantic battle but goodness if we get that in this show
0: Mm. from this team as well
1: right now i think this is the shoe-in for winning all the awards (laughs) well only two episodes in but i think that you know if this show is this epic thing that you know resolves its self into this might be this might be this one might of the best be shows you This know? might be
0: it. there's a couple of things speaking of the action and I love I I loved as well is that, that we haven't had ninjas there's been very little action there's been no real sword play
1: mm-hmm. but
0: in that second episode the way the final act of that second episode ratchets up when you have uh John Blackthorne being rescued when he's when he's m- with the hood over his head and almost like House oh, of Flying Daggers. Yes. House of Flying Daggers. Yes! I absolutely adored that. It is, and it was done cleanly, effortlessly, and with zero fuss. And then
1: they just kill the bandits. I, I love
0: that. And then just exactly, just with the, just so, uh, and also as well, just in, again, speaking of stakes, is that by the time they pull the hoof, hood off of John Blackthorne, 20 men have died right? <laughs> almost 20 men have died for him and it starts to i think in the build-up to that we had the cliff scene which i thought was so clever so interesting oh great the, you have you have you have john blackthorne looking at rodriguez down at the bottom of the cliff the essentially what is a game of chicken that he plays with uh um Kishigi's character, who then goes down. And then the way, and going back to what you were saying about where they're going with this, is that it rides that line of you do want audiences to start seeing potentially where the story is going. That is a good thing. Sometimes the trick is to is to not it's the is to keep pace with the audience sometimes there are a lot of stories which are still telling us stuff that most of us have already worked out do you know what i mean
1: yeah
0: the thing with that is that i can see the intrigue coming from john blackthorn character um and uh
1: kashigi mariko yeah
0: yeah and and oh, mariko, mariko, mariko as well yeah. those three ones but it's it's the the interesting thing is we I think they planted a seed with that cliff scene, of how John Blackthorne perhaps he clearly hates Catholics. He clearly has done bad things in his life. He often speaks. Of, there's a line he says, "This is I don't die here. This is not how I die." He seems to have a quite a fervent belief in something. But the interesting thing about the cliff scene is that's where you start to see him. The, he was shocked yeah. when he saw that when Kashigi's character is about to be crashed against the rocks, he turns and is about to 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 rather take his own life, take control. I think seeing that little glint in his eye and seeing the connection between the, those two, there's something really exciting. I mean, the whole of The Last Samurai is based on this, isn't it? About the, the Ted Lasso character who fish out of water comes to a new culture and learns about their ways. And in, in a way kind of the things that are, are missing in him, he finds in this new culture. Mm-hmm. And I'm so here for that. So here for that. Um,
1: um I want to mention though, with just like action wise, the ending of episode two, <laughs> When she's just plowing through that entire house, I guess you could say, she's yeah. just like so effortlessly killing these people. And I love what Tor does because he like slashes at her and then he just like boop, he just knocks her down. It's like, okay, that's a badass, right?
0: <laughs> wonderfully, wonderfully choreographed transition in that uh, he's sli- yeah. as she walks in he slices the back of her neck and then goes to sheathe his sword as he pretty much knows he's in no more danger now but then Cosmo Jarvis's character has entered the scene and there's a moment where Cosmo I think sees him starting to sheath his sword now I don't think he knows that she's been sliced in the back of her, her neck mm. that's why, and there's a tiny little moment between them where Jarvis jumps in, Blackthorn jumps in to save and fight, and he gets his arm cut. But it gets it gets noticed, and it's only a bit, it's half a second. Um, Sonada's character notices it, and all of a sudden we we've got a, a deeper connection.
1: Yeah,
0: is that even though he was in no trouble, this man still jumped in to save my life. And then, like yeah. you, see, the the punctuation on that scene, just yeah. the. Just, just incredible. Just casually butts her into the into the garden.
1: Yeah,
0: I am sorry if this, dude. We will. Will you catch up with it? Listen, I've come up. uh, What do you think of Bro Guns for our weekly catch up on on uh, on Shogun on the on the man? uh, That uh, that that title is too good that it makes
1: me want to (laughs) just do it on that title
0: bro guns let's do it okay so if um what uh, we'll bring it to an end there um you and i catch up again next week i assume mm, after we've seen we'll say, yeah. I, I see how we go um i think both of us love this and are so excited to see where it's going um kyle have you got anything coming out have you got anything dropping or tell people about uh where they can find you
1: it is funny you should say that because yesterday i had my new podcast the massive movie maniacs episode one released even though we did like a test episode before that but episode one was released it's the best and worst movies of 2023 Mm -hmm. i did that with my friend noah and that is out on spotify right now so just look up massive movie maniacs
0: amazing awesome um brilliant kyle thank you so much send my love to grandma pearl um And we will catch up again, and we will bro-gun the shit out of (laughs) this. Can't wait. Okay. Take care. The the big blue dude. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.